government is a mafia and the people in charge have nothing altruistic about them about their motives so why do we respect the kill the people who kill for them okay guys welcome to this week's Grime america show uh, we're going to be talking to greg carlwood and and his co-host kyle over there at the uh, fireside chats yeah, or thc for short uh, great podcast, conspiracy, paranormal, you name it. He covers pretty well anything. He's actually one of the most similar shows I've found found ours. He's older. Our, his show's been around longer than ours. Um, but strangely, I didn't I didn't know about his show until we were doing research for uh, Robert Sullivan. Yeah, that's right, Robert Sullivan the Fourth, and that's when we stumbled upon the Higher Side Chats and fucking instantly hooked. Yeah, they've got some great guests on too, eh? Like they're they're getting some real high profile guests, and uh, they're like our the American doppelganger down they're there. They're like our yeah big uncle do- doppelganger because I think they're doing some they're doing some pretty big numbers over there now, and then it's because they're putting out a quality product. So yeah, they're. I'm yeah. definitely looking, and I like Greg because he's not scared to back down from any conversation, and he's got his definite views, and uh, he's not afraid to express them. That's right. So we also wanted to say hi to some new uh, listeners from around the globe. Yeah, we've been putting it off for a few episodes now. So I think uh, we've gone up to, we're now in uh, 67 countries. So I believe that's, uh, we've officially conquered over a third of the globe. Conquered? That's kind of a harsh word. That's that's what (laughs) countries do, Grimerica. Grimerica conquers countries. How about like expanded consciousness or enlightened? What's it called when you take people out of the matrix? I don't know. Is there a word for that red pill junkie? Uh, you give them the red pill, right? You, you. Yeah, yeah, one. exactly. We're throwing red pills all over the all over the world here. So, so thanks for coming on, guys. Um, so I want to mention who they are. Well, okay, go ahead. Okay, so we've got new listeners in Bahrain. How do you, Bahrain? Bahrain. Bahrain. Yeah, that's pretty good. Turkey. That's going to be the, yeah. We're Turkey, into the, the, the home of the, uh, the Trans Asianic uh, railroad, railroad. Yeah, super fast cargo trains. <laughs> Bosnia and Herzegovina. Serbia, Jordan, Slovenia, Macedonia. Yeah, isn't that like an old? Welcome old, like, to America, years folks. Old, uh, yeah. <laughs> the Nez- Netherlands Antilles, and then uh, the Faroe Islands. So. Which is closer to Iceland. We still haven't got to Iceland. So if you got a friend in Iceland, you know. Yeah, just swim them, uh, over there. Tell and... them to check out Grime America. So we want to say hi to all those new people uh, from all over the globe. Thanks for checking us out. Yeah, and as we're rounding out, our, I guess it's the end of our first year. Um, not really, because we started, didn't start till June. But um, it's been, numbers have been, it's been, the audience has been great. Pretty excited. Thanks, uh, thanks for listening. And. Everybody tell a friend about Grimerica for, for Christmas, and and then we'll be uh, double our audience. So, And then we'll be able to get 
even bigger guests and yeah. better and just yeah yeah and then we can entice some 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 more guests a little easier and it'll keep the train just rolling right ahead so as uh, as you heard a couple minutes ago we have red pill junkie it's a here america to, chain to <laughs> here comes the grand america train chain <laughs> train chain either works so red pill junkies with us how you doing there red Ho, 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 ho. <laughs> Is that a Mexican ho, ho, ho? Hey, that's me in my, <laughs> my Christmas mode. Also, well, some people in Mexico will tell me <laughs> that Merry I'm a sellout. Christmas. That I'm a sellout for the imperialists, festivities. Does well, Mex- he, yeah, but Mexico, yeah, Mexico celebrates Christmas with Santa Claus and all that. Does he have a nap in the afternoon? Like a Santa <laughs> Santa, <laughs> the Santa Siesta. Feliz Navidad. Exacto. Prospero año y felicidad. <laughs> yeah, I remember the first time I went to Mexico. It took me forever. Like the first like four days I was there to figure out how to say Feliz Ano Nuevo, which is, is that uh, how you say Happy New Year? That's right, right? Well, the, the way you say it is uh, happy new anus. So <laughs> I think you need I think you needed a little more practice, man. No wonder I was getting so many funny looks. <laughs> My first time in Mexico, I had to I had to figure out how to ask the federales uh, how much my fine was going to be. Oh, yeah. do tell. No, it's a, I'll have to save that story for when we're not on the air. <laughs> oh. Ho, ho. Skeletons. That's gonna be for the Grime. That's gonna be for the America Plus episode. Yeah. <laughs> the bonus app. <laughs> the bonus. Fuck with some of the episodes we have. What would the bonus episode be? It'd be fucking anarchy. Oh man, yeah. I mean, we already did the the America psilocybin episode. <laughs> yeah, that'll be that. That's a that's a hard antic to top. But we. Uh, it's always about the guests more than anything. And of course we enjoy talking to you and you must be, I see you're getting ready for your red pills of the year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to review. I got about over 40 red pills of the week that I wrote in 2013. And I'm trying to uh, quickly reread them in order to pick up the top 10 most interesting news of the year you know the ones that really stood out in all of the 40 and metrics as i'd like to call them i mean i i already know that there's a couple of of those that i'm sure to will be be picked in the how do you call it the final roster as it were for example i mean the one with the russian meteorite you know that's that's definitely one of the top 10 yeah. Also, yeah, I guess that was this year, right? Yeah, that was this year. I mean, it was, was fucking wild. Yeah, definitely. You know, like something okay, not as uh, powerful or as destructive as the Tunguska event in 1908, but <laughs> for all of us, it's the first time we get to see this uh, big celestial it coming to earth you know and creating this trail you know and all, all these videos of the trait of the trail trail cam uh, dashboards you know that capture that very very almost like sci-fi moment you know it kind of 
I think it put us, it put everybody in, in the perspective of just how uh, defenseless we as a civilization are to all these potentially uh, apocalyptic uh, objects that are, you know. Yeah, or, or natural disasters in ex general. Yeah. Exactly, because we know that uh, objects as big as the one that uh, killed all the dinosaurs like 65 million years ago, they hit our planet, you know, every, you know, tens of millions of years or so. And the ones that uh, impacted around 12,000 years ago that marked the end of what they call the younger Dryas uh, age, I hope I, I, I'm speaking this correctly, we all know that these kind of objects, they visit our planet like 10, 15 years thousand years every 10 15 thousand years so we just know in the back of our heads that we are bound to have one of these really you know uh, armageddon type events maybe within our lifetimes and we're just so ill prepared for it i'm ready <laughs> yeah what are you gonna do man i'm just gonna start eating people <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Is that frowned upon? Did you say that on the air? <laughs> oh, yeah, I can say whatever I want. <laughs> no. Hopefully nobody takes that too harshly. But... Yeah, no nasty yeah. emails, please. Darren's really not accountable. I'm not accountable. I'm not endorsing cannibals. Yes, and please don't take it also on a kind of sexual connotation kind of way. <laughs> because Darren is a married man. That's right. That's right, happily. So, great so is this uh is there any new red pills that you've been working on too or are you are you mainly focused on wrapping up the year no 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 i'm i'm wrapping up the year and this will be uh next next sunday will be the very last red pills of 2013 and after that i'm taking kind of a quick break you know to recharge the batteries because you know the weekly column and all the other uh, gigs, including you know this one, it it gets quite taxing. Especially when you have a real a full time job too. Exactly, exactly. You know, and then there's a lot of us, you know, people who are doing podcasts or blogging, who are also keeping regular jobs, like you, the friends that invited you to their podcast very recently. Expanded perspective. What is was it? Yep. Yeah. Kyle and Cam, great show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I listened to it, and, and it was it was really awesome. You know, very very fun, very entertaining, and it seems that those guys are also, you know, the podcasting is kind of a, a hobby for them. You know, which is quite all right because you know, if it is a hobby, then you can take it from another approach. You 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 can get to like we do. You know, say what we want. You know, without the fears of repercussions that if maybe we, if we step on somebody's toes that it will, uh, you know, kill our sustenance. Yeah, or lose well. advertisers or whatever. Lose advertisers, yeah. And, and if that is your only source of income, then it's kind of you will, you will start to censor yourself. 
yourself or be more mindful of not trying to, you know, uh, pick a fight with the man. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the man. He's not even worth the fight. Mm hmm. We'll probably, hopefully, we'll get the 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 Grimeros Castor off the off the ground sometime next uh, next year. Maybe we should make that a New Year's resolution. By th by this time next year, we'll have at least a T-shirt available on the website. Nice. So let me ask Can we say you that? guys: Is that over? You agree? Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. That's yeah. No, resolution. that's no problem. That's, we'll have some T-shirts for sale by the end of 2014. That's definitely attainable. Yeah. Maybe okay. some hoodies and shit too. And if you guys have any cool ideas of other stuff we should think about having, then feel free to send uh, send us your ideas. We can cool. look into the logistics of well, it. We need a toque for sure, a Grimerican igloo yeah, toque. Toque, that's right. For, mm. for those of you who don't know what that is, that's like a, a head warmer. It's like a mitten for your fucking head and your ears because <laughs> it gets fucking cold in Canada. It's still cold. No, it's warmed up here now. It's warmed up too. I think we're we're like eight degrees today or something like that. Oh well, it's come to totally balmy. Yeah, it is. It is. Hey, yeah. when you're used to minus thirty and eight degrees comes along, oh you, yeah, you feel like being out in shorts. It feels like the summer. Sometimes <laughs> it gives me headaches though. Like you'll get like in a couple of days, you'll get like a thirty or forty degree temperature change, and it throws me off for a day or two. I'd, I'd like to know. What are you what gonna tell me that's made up? Do you know what the fucking pressure changes would be? Oh come on! Air pressure changes in forty degrees. I think that's an excuse for people oh, in Alberta to get just it. be sick. Stop! <laughs> All I hear is, "Oh, the temperature's changing. I'm getting a headache." Yeah. See you in a couple <laughs> days. <laughs> I get a head for the low ground. <laughs> We're in the mountains, brah. Yeah, what's the altitude in? I think just over a thousand meters. Okay. You got the book of knowledge there? Calgary uh, altitude. I can find it in two seconds. Yeah, I think it I'm gonna guess one thousand and fifty five meters. Okay. One thousand and eighty four. Ooh. Wow. Thirty meters 30 off. Meters. Not bad, buddy. Yeah. yeah. That just goes by the smell. I was just going by the smell. <laughs> it's my Indian blood. Nice. Can Indian. So let me ask you guys, uh, uh, what was your favorite uh, story of 2013? You know, the ones you think, okay, in 10, 20 years from now, this is one of I'm going to remember that that really impressed me on that year. That Mars One made millions of dollars on a bunch of people from around the globe wanting to leave this planet. Okay, nice. Uh, I'm going to say that this fucking probe that just landed on the moon. The Jade Rabbit? Yeah. Yeah, that we, was we might not. We might not know for 10 years, but who knows? I, I can, I'm hoping that, you know, you could see something, a whole new angle, you know what I mean, could start pressing the U.S.'s hand if there in, indeed is, you know, shit going on in the moon that NASA's not telling us about. Yeah, we could... We keep going to that idea that maybe there's something anomalous on the moon, and if that is the case, uh, would other nations be willing to get into the, you know, uh, secret program? You know, not disclosing the truth to the public. Hmm. Can I have another one? Yeah, sure. Something that we haven't really touched much on uh, in Grime America, but the disclosure hearings. 
What if that ends up mm. being like a really big piece of the disclosure puzzle? If that happens, I will eat my hat on the air. You will eat a Grimerica toque. I will eat a Grimerica toque on the air if that happens. <laughs> Put it in I the don't book. Know. I don't know, man. I, I kind of think I need to side with Darren on this one. You know, I think that as noble the intention and the the efforts made by all the people involved, including you know Stephen Bassett, the one who organized it in the first place, and all the the people who who gave testimony, you know, even people who I really uh, keep in high esteem, like uh, Richard Dolan. I think Grant Cameron was also there, uh, of, of course, or Stan the Man, Friedman, and many others. I still think that, you know, it's that's not going to be the right approach in order to really bring about a true paradigm shift about acknowledging other levels of existence and other uh, levels of being. I think that we as fortunes need to focus more on uh, the issue of consciousness. Good old consciousness. Yeah, My well, favorite. good old consciousness, but I think that it's kind of like the, the, the elephant in the room, you know, it's like the last bastion that the nagging thing in the back of the minds of people who are defending the materialistic empirical scientific mindset, you know, are still the current scientific mindset that consciousness is nothing but the phenomenon produced by the firing of the neurons in our brains, you know, and there's nothing more. Like our friend Alex Akirik so eloquently put it when he was a guest on the Great America that we are nothing but biological robots that free will is an illusion, you know, you know, consciousness is nothing but, you know, software run by our wetware program, by our wetware. Sometimes I can see myself kind of almost running like a little program though. I was thinking about it the other day when I was driving somewhere and like fucking the one way I had to go was just blocked. And it's like, without even thinking it, I just naturally diverted to like the f fastest way around to get back on my track. Yeah, but that that doesn't mean that consciousness still isn't a dual phenomena, right? Like outside of your brain. Yeah. It's a simulated phenomena. Yeah, there's definitely the issue of behavior and routine, you know, and habits. And habits can be programmed, you know, and and also behavior can be altered if you somehow alter the physiological structure of the brain, you know, that is something that we know that if someone suffers some kind of accident maybe doing a car crash or something like that and they suffer a, a, a concussion on their brain or maybe a hemorrhage in one of the areas of the brain you know temporal lobe or whatever that that might uh, trigger uh, a deep behavioral change, you know, maybe that someone who is mild-mannered, you know, and, and, and peaceful will start, will become violent or vice versa. But I'm still thinking that the model of 
that some people advocate about human consciousness that our brains are more of a instead of being a processor it's more of a transmitter you know like a television set so if a television set is broken you know you must you might have some issues with reception you know you maybe the 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 image comes too bright or too dark or maybe too red or too blue but it's, it's still the image is uh, the broadcast is generated elsewhere. Zeta reticuli. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man, but I still think that that's what that's what's gonna be the real game changer. You know? Yeah, no, I, I I don't disagree with that at all. But I still think that uh, when we look back, the disclosure hearings that maybe have triggered some UN type level, you know, acknowledgement to this phenomenon could end up being a little bit of a, you know, a kick in the ass. No chance. <laughs> and there goes our shot of having Stephen Bassett on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, so you Brown. would like you would like to get the United Nations involved in some kind of disclosure. Well, I think that's what their plan is. That's what that's where it is. I heard that it's supposed to be going now. So we'll 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 see. I'm not saying that it's going to do anything. It's just mm. I mean it, it's already been through there once with that whole thing in uh, in that other country there, Grenada or whatever, right? Grenada. Yeah. Well, Grenada. Grenada. You say Grenada. I say Grenada. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, take for example what's happening right now in. Uh, Uruguay. Uruguay has become the first nation in the world who has legalized not only possession, but also the uh, growing of marijuana. And it's causing a, ma a shit storm, you know, in everywhere, in the, in the geopolitical landscape, you know, and the United Nations, instead of trying to, to use that as an excuse to trigger some kind of discussion global discussion about the issue of ending the world the war on drugs they're condemning uruguay and they're they are condemning them for uh, in their words rushing rushing and, and doing things uh, without the consensus of the international community uh, the cia will have an uruguayan fucking drug cartel pushing shit out of there within a year who knows? Things in South America are very different from what there were in the 1970s. You know, uh, the CIA doesn't have as much clout as in back in those days. Or they just don't want us to know they still have clout. Maybe, maybe. I mean, one of the other news that I'm sure I'm going to cover on the Red Pills of the Year is the fact, well, how Edwards know them gave us all a massive global wake-up call. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, that's going to end up being the, big, the biggest the, of them all, really. Definitely. The yeah. biggest news of them all. Maybe even if the people keep saying, well, I mean, it wasn't such a big surprise. I mean, you know, if you're paying attention, you just knew that yeah. that the, the governments were spying on, uh, on all of us. Okay. But like like we said, the first time we discussed this issue on the Great America show, back in 10, 15 years ago, 
that kind of talk was only the provenance of all of us <laughs> tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorists. Yeah. And now it's, <laughs> it's in mainstream media, you know, it's been discussed by everybody. And now it's going to force us to redefine our, our um, personal freedom and and uh what, what's the other word i'm looking for like the secrecy right like we're gonna like we're privacy? just gonna have to privacy we're gonna have to accept now after this because now they're saying all the other countries are doing it everybody's doing it that's gonna be the meme in the media that basically yeah, we're just yeah. gonna have to accept that there is no privacy yeah the the, the other meme is well if you don't have nothing to hide then you don't need to be worried yeah so yeah, it'll be interesting in 10 years, like, what, what our privacy really looks like. Definitely. It will be interesting to see the younger generations will go along with it, all whether we'll, they will Whether all hell will back. break loose. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I think that one of the stories that broke this week was that I seen some U.S. courts don't quote me on this because I didn't read the, read the story fully, but some U.S. court found the NSA surveillance of on American uh, phone, phone calls uh, un, in, unconstitutional. So it's li- illegal, you know. So at, at, at last, some judge was had the balls to say what the NSA has, has been doing is wrong. He won't be around long. No. God. <laughs> He'll be disappeared. See ya. Well, um, we should plug, uh, talk about, uh, talk about our upcoming guest here. Are you, have you listened to much uh, THC, RPJ? THC. Uh, the Higher Side Chats with Greg Carlwood? No, I'm afraid I haven't. We're going to have to add that to your list. Yeah, I mean, let's pile it up on the. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm already like listening to twenty <laughs> twenty podcasts. You know? Yeah, that that I guarantee you. After you listen to a couple of episodes, that'll be number twenty one. Mm. Um, yeah, Greg's very eloquent. I'm sure of it. Yeah, he's a very eloquent speaker, and he's got great guests and great conversations, and and it's uh, it's a gooder for sure. It definitely, it made it into my list right away. What kind of topics does he cover? Uh, conspiracies, a lot of conspiracies. Yeah, a lot um, of crossover with us. Yeah, yeah and topics. a lot of crossover yeah. into, into psychedelics. He'll talk about drugs and paranormal, a lot of yeah. paranormal. Big Nice, nice. Uh, aliens and shit and crop circles not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like, I like those kind of uh, podcasts, you know, the ones that cover the whole spectrum of weirdness. Yeah, then you can kind of pick pick and choose a little bit about uh, you know exactly what you what you want at that time. Mm-hmm. Well, I suppose that sh- about wraps it up. We'd like to thank you for coming on, Red. Um, you got anything else uh, either you want to add before we get to our interview with uh, Greg and Kyle? What else? Uh, well, well, Merry Christmas to the listeners, I suppose. Oh, yes, obviously. Uh, I wish a, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to all our Grimerica listeners. And if you're still uh, looking for some kind of uh, rush hour uh, present, you know, to buy to, to that annoying <laughs> cousin that you just forgot, 
maybe you could use the Grimerica uh, Amazon portal, you know? Yeah, as always, that helps out the show a little bit. Then we can uh, get ourselves some uh, Christmas presents for the studio, maybe. Yeah, may I suggest uh, Greg Taylor's Stop Worrying? There probably is an afterlife as a, as a good choice for your gift uh, list. Yeah, I've actually been, I've been already been looking at that one and Sex at Dawn. Mm-hmm, yeah, well, I'm, I'm, try, I'm going to try to convince Greg Taylor, who is or the owner of an editor of the Daily Grail, you know, the, the, the site I work with, that maybe he could uh, have a chat with us in, oh. in 2014. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure, yeah. yeah. We'll add him to We'd the list. to have him. He was on with Alex Sakaris and Skeptical not too long ago. It was a great podcast. So if, if you want to hear Greg uh, prior to his American visit, check out Skeptical. Mm-hmm. He also was in the Mysterious Universe in November, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, it was just recently. Mm-hmm. Just recently, I remember hearing him there. And then he's on Skeptico. Or did you just say that? Did, did I just say, say what you just said? Yeah, you did. Yeah. yeah, so that's yeah first he was in MU, and then he was with Alex. Yeah, and hopefully next off to Grey America, because I, I really, I definitely want to read the book. It's definitely, you know, I wish books would just start standard coming out in audio as well. <laughs> Make our life so much easier. Well, once once the uh, text to to voice gets perfected, it's a little better. Yeah, just yeah, definitely. In two in two years from now, you know, your phone will be able to read the book for you. Yeah, you can pick the sexy Skype girl to you know the, the English <laughs> accent to narrate your book. You can pick whichever like sexy accent you want to narrate your book. Graham mm-hmm. has a a weird fetish for the Skype chick. It's fucked up. <laughs> Maybe we could have her. Yeah. I keep going. Let's do another test call. Let's yeah. do another test call. Yeah. <laughs> I think on uh, on that note, that wrote wraps it up. Um, thanks a go- Thanks a lot again for coming on, Red. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy the interview with Greg and Kyle. It's great. A great conversation. Uh, it was one one of the funner interviews we've had in a while for sure. It was a, a great chat with those guys, and they've got a great show. Um, it'll be we'll have it linked in the show notes for sure so you guys can can give it a listen if you haven't already i suspect uh, a lot of our audience is probably this is old news to them yeah all right well thanks for uh joining us red yeah Mm -hmm. yeah we'll see you guys next time and uh we'll catch you guys on the other side of our our interview with the boys from the higher side chats Okay, with us here tonight in Grimerica, we're going to be talking with um, 
Kyle and Greg from uh, the Higher Side Chats, THC. Uh, but first, as always, is Graham. How's it going tonight, Graham? Hey, not bad, buddy. A little longer to get here in the remnants of the blizzard. But happy to be in the igloo tonight, talking so with uh, THC, one of our, our kind of doppelganger podcasts from California. <laughs> How's it going, everybody? This is Greg. Hey, Greg. Yeah, and this is Kyle. I'm a co-host on the show, and it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, we'd like to thank you guys for uh, taking the time up. We know firsthand how, how busy working full-time and podcasting <laughs> on the side is, and uh, especially, I think you have a, a couple kids too, don't you, Greg? Oh, I definitely don't, but I have two pets that are essentially like children, <laughs> except if they die, I don't go to jail. <laughs> Will they eat you if you die? Are they dogs or cats? One of each. We have this ongoing joke where you know Darren bugs me that my cat's going to eat me when I die, and and his dog's just going to lie by his side and and <laughs> die right by right beside him. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They're both kind of squirrely. I wouldn't trust a dead body near him. Especially not my dead body. So uh, I heard both you guys on the first podcast I listened to of yours. It was great to find you guys out there. Um, very similar style to ours and. It was kind of uh, refreshing to know, you know, one day maybe we could chat together and yeah, and uh, you guys were both on that one podcast. So it's uh, it's nice to talk to you both. Yeah, I mean, it's an honor to be here. Uh, me and Kyle have known each other since like the third grade. And, uh, you know, Kyle's we both grew up in St. Louis. I now live in California, but he co-hosts like, I don't know, one of one out of every four shows. It's a good way to keep in touch with an old friend and talk to some people that I never thought I'd get to talk to at the same time. Yes. Uh, speaking of that, could you give us maybe a quick rundown of the, the genesis of THC? Uh, yeah. It basically started uh, when I moved out to California. Like I'd done a few other little shows, little like similar podcast type things and YouTube shows. And I really wanted to get into stand-up. And I started hanging out with some local stand-ups here in San Diego and started having them on as guests. Had Kyle on a lot in the early days. It was just us talking, probably a lot like your guys' first 10 shows. Um, it took a while to get to get guests. But uh, then I just took a hard right into conspiracy. And I was like, you know, there are so many comedy shows. Um, that, and what separates them? You know, uh, how am I going to compete with like Adam Carolla and Joe Rogan? They're established comics. You know, it's almost impossible. Yeah. So uh, uh, there's a much smaller pool in the conspiracy world. And it's also just I'm fascinated with essentially everything in it. And, and it's it's been a blast. But uh, I actually listened to an episode you guys did where you were on mushrooms, which was really funny because I had that episode, too. And that was kind of a turning point for the show, because when I did that episode, it was during. Are you guys familiar with Ari Shafir? Yeah, he's a yeah. he's a comic. He's on Joe Rogan's show once in a while. Yeah, a skeptic uh, guy, right? In a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His well, the name of his show is Skeptic Tank. I don't know how the name really applies to the content very very often, but uh, he was doing this shroom fest thing, trying to get everybody to take mushrooms, kind of similar to how everybody smokes weed on 420. Uh, he wanted to do the same thing for mushrooms, so he came on my show and talked about that, and then. And that was like a week before uh, this so-called shroom fest. And so I was like, all right, well, we're going to do mushrooms on the show. And <laughs> he was going to he was going to come by, but he ended up not. But he came down to San Diego. And there's a when comics come in town, the comedy store in La Jolla, uh, they have a condo. And that's where the, the big headliners stay. 
at the Comedy Store condo. So he came down there as a safe place right on the beach to take mushrooms. And we he went there. We recorded a show. It was a disaster. Uh, <laughs> one, of you, one of you guys on there kept saying you had like – uh, you were self-conscious about being on the air, about the show, like you wanted to make sure the show was good. I had those same thoughts. I just wanted it to be to be good, and I couldn't really enjoy the trip. And it just it just sucked. Then I wanted it to be over. <laughs> and so this is like the longest story ever. But we went down to the oh, comedy no, store to meet up with Ari, me and these two local guys. And I just had this this weird epiphany sitting there you know how your your thought patterns go on mushrooms i'm like what the hell am i doing here you know this guy is trying to come down here and enjoy mushrooms like alone he left la to be alone and then i'm here with two comics who are on the lower level trying to suck on the success teat and i'm like and then what am i doing here am i doing the same bullshit and i just was like i don't i'm this is not my place so it was kind of a bad trip but um it set the course to go hard conspiracy and kind of let the comedy guys do their thing. And it's been the best choice I made. So I guess uh, in the end it was positive. But so that's kind of the story. Is there audio of that? Can I go back and find that? You should be able to. I have a problem with routine uh, hard drive crashes and rewiping my drives and all that stuff. And I think that stuff is still on there somewhere in the early days and then probably the, the – underbelly of my website somewhere huh that's awesome i'm gonna have to go digging around i was lucky i i actually managed to i think it was just that i ate enough that i was able to just it didn't matter i was having a blast that night no matter what <laughs> it's a fun idea to try but i i don't think a lot of people do it a second time no it's tough to i don't know it's like it it's it's almost takes away from from the trip too because you're like it I don't know. It was tough, and you have so many different anchors to reality instead of yeah. just being able to go and turn out the lights and put on some headphones and just give her for a couple hours. Yeah, totally agree. So how long ago was that, Greg? That was about uh, maybe maybe a year and a half ago. That was like the last time I tried to do a straight comedy show, and from then on I just started uh, interviewing people I thought were inter interesting researchers in conspiracy and paranormal areas. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. And then you guys actually in 2012 on your website here, it's got you an award nominee for the best general podcast. So that was after you changed? Yeah, that was after the change. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I got lucky with that one. Although the podcast awards that I, I guess it's just entitled the People's Choice Podcast Awards. I had a lot of problems with the way they run the, the program. But either way, uh, I should be just happy to be included. So how's your how's your podcast changed over the last year and a half since you sort of switched gears to the conspiracy part? I mean that's it's also um, a little challenging in a way because it's you're you're breach, you're touching a lot of topics that uh, you know are ridiculed or just have, <laughs> yeah. So how is how has it changed? Uh, I mean it's it's definitely been more serious and like we were kind of talking in the pre-show. It's hard sometimes to interject any humor into some of these interviews because people take their work so seriously. And I understand that, but you know, some, sometimes you can still not take yourself so seriously as to not be able to take one single joke, uh, especially when you're on the air. And it's not about like calling them a bullshitter or doubting what they're bringing up. But, uh, sometimes people get a little crazy about that, but so the show has definitely gotten more serious. I don't know, Kyle, what do you think? How has it really changed much at all? I feel like uh, the show is definitely like 
taken its own form and it's definitely it, it's very defined now whereas in the beginning it was still trying to like figure out what it was supposed to be but i feel like the higher side chats is really one of the most routine shows like you know what you're going to expect and it, it really delivers a really simple like investigation into just one claim like a guest comes on and makes a claim and like we talk about it but the big theme behind the show has been skepticism and i think we practice doubt and that prevents us from getting lured down like some really ridiculous storylines like there's some conspiracies out there that i feel like are straight up frauds and yeah. it, it's really a good thing to investigate all of them with like an open mind but also a skeptical mind hmm. And you had that guest on a couple a uh, couple episodes ago from Skeptico. Yeah, yeah. And Alex I, I thought he's great. And I thought you know you guys both were talk you guys both were talking to him about uh, sometimes not being able to find the right right way to con uh, be confrontational if it's necessary. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. That's uh, I struggle with that for sure. Oh, yeah. me too. Me too. Classic struggle. Yeah. But let me ask you guys this: Have you ever had a guest? that you you got them because you were excited to get them about the subject matter and the, the more you looked into it before the interview the more you kind of thought that the whole thing was bullshit um i <laughs> I, I haven't but darren <laughs> i i've we've definitely had a few people on that like i'm not i i'm from the get-go i'm i'm not on board and there's very <laughs> little that they can say that is going to bring me on board um, yeah because I'm definitely the more skeptical one of the two. But then at the same time, I mean, we had, I don't know if you've heard of Thomas Fusco, but we had him on. And I expected going into that interview that I was going to be uh, uh, the same sort of thing. And he's he's one of the only ones that I've gone into on one side of the fence. And he's been able to, if not get me on the other side, at least get me back on top of the fence. Wow, that's actually awesome. I'd like to experience that. I'm pretty set in my ways at this point. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty similar in in that regard myself. And there, but there was some that we've had had guests on where they're talking about uh, one thing, uh, one type of let's say you know conspiracy, like high level financial conspiracy or something. And then these other things are thrown at you, and you just don't know how to respond. Like I was caught, like Darren and I are looking at each other with our eyebrows up and our jaws dropped on the ground or and you just like we're sitting there in silence not knowing what to say so i mean definitely some of that stuff has caught us off guard or sometimes right. you uh after the interview is done and you're doing editing you decide to read one of your guests wiki <laughs> kind of fucking floors yeah <laughs> yeah wiki is a huge debunking thing almost always if there's even a, a even some conspiracies that i think are fairly legitimate i've gone on there before and like uh, it's like, oh, this is supposedly people believe this, and they they really shit on a lot of conspiracies. It's not very even, I don't think. No, it's not. And then you heard, did you hear about the Rupert Sheldrake, uh, you know, the guerrilla skeptics uh, battling over his wiki page, right? Taking out uh, certain things and pointing other things to one direction no. or the other. Yeah, that's crazy. I had him on during the controversy of um, him and Graham Hancock's on TED, TED talk. Yeah. Oh. That got yeah, I'm going to have to go back through your guys' episodes. It's so tough to work backwards through a podcast these uh, days. You're not so. missing anything. Oh, no, you've had some great guests on, man. <laughs> guys that we want to we wanna have. It's uh, like Sheldrake is, is one of them for sure. I mean, 
Foster Gamble is another one that we'd like to have on. So do you guys have any favorites that you've had? Uh, any episodes that stand out? I really like uh, one of the ones we did with John Rappaport because I hadn't yeah. really heard of him so much before that. But uh. Uh, that interview I happen to be on. That's why it's so fucking sweet. In addition <laughs> to the fact that he looks at the conspiracy from multiple angles. He thinks that there's multiple parallel truths that just kind of like lay on top of each other. Like, so on one level, yeah, they might be like spraying chemicals and shit into the air. On another level above that, there's like even more cryptic, arcane, hard to understand shit going on. And it just gets deeper and deeper and like more bizarre. And so when you look into it, you come to these like, some people will get stuck on one particular topic, and that's like mm-hmm. the whole deal is this topic. But there's so many layers, and John Rappaport was one of the guests that like, he likes to peel back a lot of different layers and talk about a lot of different angles. Yeah, he, really, he was one of the, one of the classics. No, that's a good. That's a good way to to put that. I like I like that too. The different layers of uh, of conspiracy. It's hard for me to get too interested in one thing because I have all these interests, and in it's like I feel like my interests are spread out to this wide spectrum of things. I mean, I like UFOs and consciousness are kind of two of my main main things, but um, definitely we share this this broad range of of guests. I could go back to any number of your episodes and and get really down that rabbit hole. Um, who, do you guys have any uh, people coming up that that uh, are interesting? Um, I got uh, Stephen Greer from the Disclosure Project. I'm gonna have him on in like six or seven shows. That's one of the ones I'm most excited about. For I mean, really for the name recognition, and he's involved in some pretty awesome stuff. I mean, he pretty much with the Disclosure Project got me really in the deep levels of alien conspiracies. I mean, I remember me and Kyle taking road trips from St. Louis to, we used to just go like, Hey, let's go to the West coast and back. And, you know, we'd be in the middle of the Nevada desert listening to the disclosure project and it's pitch black everywhere. And you can just see stars. It's probably the best environment to listen to that shit, but, um, it's great. Yeah. He's, he's pretty cool. So you're talking about the Disclosure Project, all the C- the DVDs that came out or CDs with uh, the 400 uh, witness testimony or whatever? Yeah. 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 So, and I'm not sure how much of it. I mean, some of them seem like they could be uh, a bit out there. Like the there's one particular guy. I can't remember his name, which kind of sucks. But he said his big claim was that they were on a team that would go out to crashed UFOs and they had this book that had the known species of extraterrestrials in it. And there were 57 yeah. races and they were calling the Heinz 57, yeah. like the goddamn ketchup label. Yeah. And I'm like, that is a little much, man. I mean, I believe one or two, maybe five species could possibly be interacting with us. And that's I'll, you know, to some people, that's ridiculous. But 57, and we can't get one picture? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's closer to one even, if anything. No, no. Oh, I, I don't know, man. If we there's, if there's one, why can't there be 57? Everywhere. Yeah, there's diversity everywhere. I that's think it's true. just the same one can fucking change into the different ones. And, he tricks <laughs> and you. that could be. There's also that theory that they're really multidimensional beings and that when you see them, yeah. all they're doing is taking their... Uh, their higher self and manifesting it into a visible three-dimensional shell. So why oh, can't yeah. they just do that? You know, why can't they be a feline today, a Norse god tomorrow, a reptilian the next day? I mean, I don't know. 
if they can manifest, you know, why can't you? That seems to be the, the hard part. You know, picking a shape should be like secondary. It's funny how the skeptics use that, though. Like if there's one or two out of hundreds of witnesses discredited, all of a sudden, you know, oh, the whole thing's discredited. Like it's just ridiculous, right? You still have hundreds of, you know, high level military and and government officials testifying. And yet it's yeah. it's not good enough. Like it's never good enough. You know, well, they did have that thing where. A bunch of people who run the nuclear facilities who are involved in high-level security, they came out to Congress and they said collectively, look, we don't have fucking control of our nuclear weapons. You know, we think we do, but when we, whenever we try to fire a test, something flies by and shoots it with a beam and, it, and it's dead. And that means we don't have control over shit. Apparently, you know, they get hit with EMPs, which are, you know, electromagnetic pulses that disable everything. They get hit by those. Uh, the the plants shut down when UFOs fly by. They're uh, they consider that essentially an attack. You know, on a new if Russia did that, we'd consider it an attack. But when ETs do it, I think they're just trying to say they're trying to protect us from ourselves. I mean, that's the that's the common idea. And it, I mean, you got to give those people some credit. I mean, these are people we trust with goddamn nuclear weapons. Are we not going to trust them when they come out and say there are some UFOs that are fucking with us? Why is that not valid, but yet they're trusted and, and considered sane and able to run the facilities themselves? Yeah, it's crazy. It's just crazy. I think I think this is only going to last for so much longer before things have to crack open a bit. China's the new Russia. <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently, uh, I, I was just talking to somebody about that, uh, someone much, much smarter than me, and they were talking about how on the national stage and the global motion picture show it seems like they are being set up to be like the new soviet union you know we have to fear them they're they're in opposition to us and who knows how that's going to play out yeah that was it's all just silly orbit episode yeah, oh that, that was actually... great I, I just listened to that today it was fantastic yeah like yeah. the china will be the new the new cold war kind of thing yeah i i mean i see it yeah when you look at the script it and on and going back to John Rappaport's idea on these multiple levels, on the surface level, the script seems very easy to see through, and it seems super repetitive. You know, I mean, almost anyone you ask will say, "Well, we went to the Middle East for oil or for money or for control." You know, almost everyone doesn't think it was for 9/11. You know, no one thinks that anymore, and that's like level one. And then there's some really weird shit. There's people out there that say there are vortexes that open natural vortexes uh dimensional portals that are part of the earth and they open up uh the bermuda triangle may be one and these things are activating because of this change we're going through and this 2012 thing like we're going through this part of the universe where you know we undergo these changes and one of the big ones is in iraq and so they're this is the story on the on this this crazy ride. They say that we're that's why we're there. It's not for oil. Oil is cool. We'll take some oil, but we're there to to secure the portal. Yeah, some yeah. Stargate shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Huh. So so it's funny that uh, I mean I can't wait to hear you uh, you chat with Stephen Greer there. He gets a real bad rap even from the UFO community. It's uh, it's too bad. I I end even up even from half of Grimerica. I end up. <laughs> <laughs> I I end up defending him all the time because I uh, after I got in the in the mid mid to early nineties I uh, I was like 
had my MUFON. I like joined MUFON and and I got uh, my CSETI thing. So I was out, actually out there like practicing protocols, trying to see UFOs with a, like a little CSETI group in, in Vancouver. Did you ever see any? Uh, not not during those protocols, we didn't. But I did before that. Um, That's cool. Yeah, I was like, wanted to see something. Yeah, cr- crazy one, like a, a polygonal, like sort of dodecahedron-shaped craft in in Israel. So. That was uh, that was pretty crazy, but so that's kind of why I started delving into that, and then I lost interest over the years. But but Greer did a lot, right? He did a lot for the community, and and it's it it sort of annoys me that that he still gets such a bad rap just because he wants to charge two or three thousand uh, dollars for somebody to go on a, a CE five expedition or something. So like so what? Like who knows how much the guy sunk into uh, into all yeah. that of his own own finances? Like if somebody wants to pay that, let him pay that. I don't know. That's my. Uh, my take on it yeah i'm not convinced either way i definitely understand why some people would be uh skeptical of him but i mean i just i'm a fan you know and either way i think he's got an interesting perspective he can sometimes be a bit condescending uh with it because i mean some of this this material is like super like you have to be in it for a while to be able to comprehend some of this stuff. And he'll just talk about it in such a casual manner. And I understand that he's dealing with it all the time. But I'm like, you can't just gloss over <laughs> transmitting your thoughts to UFOs and communicating telepathically in the desert like it's, uh, you know, buying your morning coffee. People are like, what? Back up? Well, what? Uh, what are you doing? Yeah, and, by, and then by the time you get into the third sentence, they're like, this guy's fucking nuts. And sometimes he's kind of like that was my argument. You're not clued in when he was at like the UFO Congress or whatever it was there. It's like these senators and these people, they're not ready to hear any of this shit. Like you got to take it down to the basic, most basic, best evidence cases. He also gets a bad rap for that movie he put out uh, just recently. I forgot what it was called. Serious. Serious. He gets a little bit of a bad rap for that because the whole hype was about this uh, this fetus, this alien fetus or this alien baby, and then apparently, you know, it's not much, something. It was kind of a dud. Yeah. Apparently, there's yeah. not much to that, and yeah. it's part, apparently not in the movie very much either. Oh yeah, it's not there in there very much. But they much. use the hype. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of people get skeptical. You know, you're hyping stuff up. It's supposed to be about this. It's a little bit of a bait and switch. Yeah, yeah, especially definitely. in this in that field, you can't you can't can't fuck around. You can't yeah oversell people because they're probably even the most hardcore are they know it's a fringe area. You know what I mean? And if you start mm-hmm. if the guys that they're looking up to are starting to stretch the truth, then you know it's just a recipe for disaster. I I see comments here and there all the time though about this person's a bullshitter, that person's a disinfo person. I even get it. People people think that I'm involved in some disinfo campaign. I'm like Jesus Christ, you <laughs> you you guys are really making it hard for anybody to uh, entertain any of this information or to absorb any knowledge when everybody who doesn't agree with exactly your perspective is disinformation. I think I that's what like- it is. Yeah, when you entertain all these different ideas, like I feel like my practice is I entertain all the stories. I, I really listen to everyone's story because I'm trying to refine my skills on figuring out what is bullshit. I'm trying to refine my skills on just different different patterns I hear from all over the different places, like different patterns. That's really how I piece together like what's going on with like some of the most perverse stuff that's like totally documented, like ritualistic 
abuse and trauma-based mind control. And the whole thing about trauma, there's an episode Greg did, I can't remember the guest, but he was talking about how when a person is traumatized, they externalize their power. They give their power away to something outside of themselves. They say, I need to escape this and I need somebody to save me. And so this whole idea that humanity has been living through forever is that we need somebody to save us, whether they're kings or whether they're the police or whether they're the politicians or corporations, like someone needs to be bigger than us. And we're real, like what's going on with like podcasting and everything is just like, that's collapsing. And it's all about the individual as, as powerful as every under in, individual. And mm -hmm. we just need to wake up to our own, wake up to our own power and not fucking rely on kings and they have historically always fucked the people they're <laughs> supposed to be serving i mean has anyone yeah. ever checked the facts about any king or kingdom or bank or any reign of any powerful group they always just fleece extort exploit and fuck over all of the masses and you know this this is the end of the, the end game of this is the internet and everyone's just like fuck this we're gonna create our own storyline because we're done with this narrative that we're just sheep and we're just pieces of shit like that's not true anymore yeah even if they had the king had the good intentions it seems like he's almost set set to it, it has to happen like he has to almost uh get corrupted in that way uh, and yeah. i and i agree with you it, it is collapsing i think people are starting to see through the veil i think that the lies are just just the mainstream the culture the tv the cable all that stuff is just i think it's starting to open up I agree. I think that was something that was touched on in the Corbett episode that I did last week, and I've been thinking about it more and more and refining it. But I think the war that is going on is Internet culture versus traditional hierarchy and corporate control, and that's the fight. It's a big tug-of-war right now. They're coming at us with things like CISPA and SOPA trying to get those corporate reins on the Internet. And the internet is kind of spilling out into the three-dimensional world with their ideas, things open source – Bitcoin, 3D printing, all that stuff is based on the idea of essentially torrenting and brought into our traditional culture. And so these things are like seeping into each other. And I think that's the big fight is who's going to win that tug of war. I think they're trying to put the kibosh on all these things that are coming out of the Internet. And I don't know. Traditionally, they win. So I don't know how it's going to be for our children. I wonder if they're going to. Think of talk about the wild west of the internet that we're experiencing now. Yeah, that's an interesting <laughs> way to look at it. Could be fucked. I mean, media versus podcasting, what we're doing is also one of those things. The, the big mainstream cable news networks just put out their ratings and their audiences have dropped in half. Meanwhile, mine's grown 10 times. <laughs> you know, yeah. this is like, and I mean, you know, from a small number, didn't, you know. Yeah, yeah, still. It's, it's, yeah. It is what it's, it is, yeah. but. I mean, I'm sure there's so many podcasters that can say the same thing, and that's a, a shift. And the bit, Bitcoins have gone from fucking five cents to $1,000 in a couple of years, or maybe even one year. Yeah. And that, um, all these things, the shift is ha happening in our favor, but they have the control. Yeah. And if they, yeah. can put the, uh, if they can turn the faucet off on the, on the Internet, on that free flow they might win because we need that to communicate, to put out these podcasts. You know, if they, if they uh, pass one of those net neutrality, anti-net neutrality bills and they throttle the, um, the traffic to our websites, 
we're going to have a hard time putting shit out. Yeah. And that's definitely a, a possibility. I'm, and I'm sure Canada would get caught in some of that backlash as well. Oh, the oh, whole yeah. world. The whole world would. Well, so would, I, I love you, that battle. Oh, I don't know, man. Did it's, you hear about uh, Buddy that fucking, I think he's in the UK. He had like 7,500 Bitcoins on his old computer <laughs> and he fucking threw it in the dump. Now he's been going, yep. he's, he's planning an expedition to the dump to go find it. It's worth 7 million. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it's crazy. If you can sell them. I mean, yeah, like Curry and Dvorak. Or, I don't know if you guys have heard No Agenda. Um, I know of it, but I don't listen to it all that often. Yeah, those guys are. Like I wonder if anyone could even sit down. If you had a thousand bitcoins right now, if you could find someone to give you a million dollars cash. Absolutely, absolutely. I fully sure. believe. You oh, could. really? Yeah, you think so? Uh, you might go to a, you'd go to a bunch of different sources. You wouldn't yeah. sell all to one person, but you can find a seven million dollars out there that people are ready to exchange for Bitcoin. Fully believe that. I actually just got into it like in the last forty-eight hours. I've been I'd done shows about it. I've been talking about it. And I actually, my dad came to me and was like, hey, man, you told me about this when it was, you know, X amount of dollars. Now it's over a thousand. <laughs> How long when ago we was that? S- well, when you told uh, when you told your dad, because I, I almost got into Bitcoins like three or four maybe, years ago, like right after Zeitgeist oh, not came like out. That. Like, it was only like eight months ago. But even still, anyone who bought in eight months ago is yeah. is rich today. Yeah. I mean, obviously it depends on what you put in. But I mean, those kind of returns don't really exist anymore. And that's the problem for I mean, our generation, I'm always trying to think of a scheme and I'm like, God damn it, everything's been done. All the loopholes have been closed for people like us. I hear like Joey Diaz telling stories about his childhood. I'm like, you can't do that shit anymore. Everything's way too controlled. (laughs) Um, And yet I know people who made a shitload of money dealing drugs when we were young. But outside of that, I think most of the major loopholes are closed. So when you could get in on Bitcoin at an early time, when who knows where the ceiling is and also who knows where the floor is. But, I mean, whatever, I want to get involved because either people are going to be talking about it in 20 years or they won't. But I know the dollar's going down, so I feel like it's a, a better bet than that. Do you ever think that the Bitcoin could be taken over by, let's say, uh, the New World Order? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't going to use that term, but I mean, you know, to be the new international or interglobal currency, right? I mean, yes. Oh, I, don't I, know. I think Isn't that there is a, a limited amount, though. There right. is a limited amount. Like there's it's a like, ceiling on them, right? There is. But the thing about them is they can be divided. Out. Yeah, you just keep fractioning. So, fractioning. exactly, yeah. exactly. So, as the value goes up, uh, the cost of goods would just change. It would just become decimal points, uh, and and that's totally different than the normal economy. But it's also more empowering for individuals, and less there's less regulation on it. I'm I'm fully into it, and I definitely think that it could go under at any point. But and I also do consider the fact that it could be either compromised because no one knows who the original the original guy they they have a name for him, but no one he's not talking. He might be dead. He might have been fictitious to begin with. No one knows. And that is obviously scary because maybe it came out of the Council on Foreign Relations think tank. You know, who knows where it came yeah. from, really? Yeah. And maybe it is. Maybe it is going to be the new global standard, and maybe it is going to be this algorithm is, is secretly controlled in the basements of some Illuminati group. But um, if that's the case, I'm still glad I bought in because then it's going to be there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. it's going to be the new world currency. I'm glad I got it before 99% of other people did. Hmm. Um, so either way, I feel like it's a, a good bet. 
unless they just unless it really is something they can't control and they find a way to scare everyone out of it and crash the market and then it's just gone but um that's really the only serious concern because i think it's it's pretty it's getting pretty established pretty quickly right now who knows those things could go up to six figures seven figures if it's if they turn it into a currency like that they'd have to divide right. it so much and the value would go through the roof right and i think also and here i have no faith in the american dollar so to me if it's if it's a comparison between the two even if the bitcoin value stays the same it'll it'll basically you know proportionally it'll go up because i think the dollar is draining so I'd rather put my money into Bitcoin. The problem with Bitcoin is for it to be viable, people have to use it as a currency. And now everybody's so uh, greedy about, about the value going up, no one wants to use them for real commerce. Like, Because you're going to buy a T-shirt from my website for Bitcoin today at a $20 value, but then tomorrow I'm going to have $28. You know what I mean? Like, So why would you give up the Bitcoins? And that's the problem is people are investing, but they're not transacting. Uh, yeah, that's a but, good point. I think that'll eventually work itself out. Huh. And also, for anyone who really wants to gamble and feels like they didn't get in at an early enough time, granted, you can put any amount of money into Bitcoin you want, but Litecoin is there too. And Litecoin is, uh, Litecoin is to Bitcoin like what Yahoo is to Google. You know, it's like the baby brother. Not a lot of people use it, but it's still there. And, uh, you know, when search engines started, no one really knew what they were or how to use them, but now everybody knows Google. I mean, the verb for looking something up is Googling it, but Yahoo's still around. And so same with Litecoin. Like everybody knows Bitcoin as the digital currency, but Litecoin's still there. And right now Litecoin is 40 bucks a coin. So you could throw in a couple hundred bucks. And if it shoots up right after Bitcoin did, if cryptocurrencies take off in general, that'll be the number two guy. And maybe that, you know, that's where you can make some money. It's like investing in silver instead of gold is what hmm. Kyle said. Hmm. I just think it's hilarious that when discussing Bitcoin, you use the words if if people want to gamble or if they want to invest interchangeably. <laughs> it is the because same. it's obvious. It is so fucking obvious to everybody that this whole idea, oh, I'm going to buy Bitcoin or Litecoin low and then I'm going to sell it high. Did you do any work? No, you did no fucking work. Investment has nothing to do with work. And yet these guys who wear suits who are all involved in investment, they run the fucking world because they use <laughs> manipulative magic with numbers that nobody understands therefore nobody questions it and my whole meme True. my whole fucking art my life is like i feel like i'm a goddamn angel sent here to just live this life where i constantly meme the same message which is the banks are perpetrating a fraud upon the trust of america and everyone in the whole world the and world, always yeah. have been and they have always been fucking us. This whole thing with money and the way it, it's owned. Fractional like, reserve, the, oh, the money based on debt, all that stuff. Yeah. Th that's why like something like Bitcoin is a salvation in the sense that like there is no Federal Reserve board. There's no bunch of dudes in a secret room deciding what happens with it, or at least that's the story. But like this whole idea of central banks, they've got to fucking go. I mean, I know everybody's going to keep getting up and going to their jobs. But in the same regard, I'm going to keep, keep getting up every day and going on Twitter and fucking saying the same thing, which is <laughs> these guys who are investing are gambling. They're reckless. They're destroying cities. They totally – if you saw what happened with Detroit, Detroit files for bankruptcy. All the actual workers, all the laborers who had pension funds, all the pension funds, they get wiped out. All the banks in Detroit, they get bailed out. So, like, what the fuck is this pattern? I mean, how many times do we have yeah. to get the same pattern before somebody is like, 
hey, you know, this is bullshit, and it, there's a big wake-up call. Yeah, all this finance, it's the same thing as bullshit. It's the same thing as gambling, as, as fraud. It's the same thing. that it, It's totally untrustworthy, and it, it, it's fucked, man. I don't, it's I fucked, and we can't go back. we got to come up with something new than this. And it's also on a bigger scale, right? It's at the it's at the central banks and the you know the IMF and all that, right? And the uh, mm-hmm. in the world, all it's the, the world. Up. It's just yeah, all the way up, connected to the to the Fed, really. Um, so, do you guys are you guys Zeitgeist fans? And it sounds like you've oh, absolutely. I mean, when I watched Zeitgeist, what was that? Three years ago now, maybe three years ago, four years ago. Like that changed my whole outlook on yes. the way the world banking goes. Like it was kind of a bit of a shift for me into. Waking up at 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 a certain level, at a, at a financial level, anyways. Hundred percent agree, hundred percent agree. I Zeitgeist was literally what did it for me. The first conspiracy movie I, I ever saw. I mean, nine eleven kind of is what really did it for me in terms of knowing the big first event where I was like, even that day I was like, that does not look like what they say it looks like, and I felt kind of weird because a lot of people around were crying. I'm like, we live in Arnold, Missouri. This is to me not even like a real thing. Like you could say a bomb dropped in Syria, would you all be crying? No, because it's on that island. This happened on your island, but you still don't fucking know anybody over there. Um, but everybody got real emotional, and they weren't really rational about it. And I, you know, I wished I could have really found someone who was like, yeah, that that looks fake. But it was a buddy of mine who was like, oh, you got to see this movie Loose Change. Yeah. And I was like, what is that about? And we watched it. I was like, that's what I've been looking for. You know, that is what I've been thinking. I'm glad I now have something. And that same friend about eight months later was like, hey, man, you should see this movie Zeitgeist. It really kind of pinpoint, pinpoints how I feel about religion. And then Zeitgeist 2 came out, and I was like, there's what I want. You know, I've always thought when I was young, like, what is going to happen when I turn, like, 18, 20? Am I just going to have to get a job I hate and just do that forever? And everybody does that, and nobody complains about it? Or everybody complains about it, but nobody does anything about it. It's just like, once you hit that age, you're responsible for yourself, and life is going to suck from now on. Just deal with it. And I was yeah. like, that's not fucking right. And so Zeitgeist was was huge. I've tried to get him on. I was just going to uh, say, have you had Peter Joseph on yet? Or I have not had Peter Joseph on. In fact, I, I can't get... A response from Peter Joseph, but I've had Jacques Fresco on, and that to me was a little bit more important because he's yeah. ninety fucking seven yeah, yeah. years old. The Venus Project, right? Yeah, and uh, when I was introduced to him in that movie and the Venus Project, I was like, that to me was my new religion. I was like, holy shit, something like this—not exact. It doesn't have to no, be exactly no, the, that. No, it's the, the idea, idea. Yeah, yeah, the resource-based economy, the idea that every city should have a central hub with 3d printers where it just makes shit for you all day. Like if we are going to pay into a system for anything, shouldn't it be stuff like that? Shouldn't it be 3d printers, free energy and healthcare? Shouldn't it be the basics? Like shouldn't there every city have a community garden where you just go and grab shit? You know, I was actually at my, at my shitty day job. I was watching this guy come out and water plants that are hanging off a streetlight. And I'm like, holy shit, how often do they change those plants? How many? How often do they just water them? And none of that shit's growing anything. Why don't we just plant grapes in those things and let homeless people eat that? Have apple trees everywhere. All these palm trees are nice, but let's plant some apple trees and orange trees and just let people eat it. Just walk past and grab yourself a fucking orange. That's what I want my tax dollars to go to. Not war and interest. Right. It seems so stupid, but it's just a, it's like everybody knows that we're being fucked. 
but nobody wants to stand up and and go after the slave master because they're just afraid everybody else won't. And it's harder now because nobody, you know, a lot of people don't even know they're slaves. Think about, well, think about slavery. You got a hundred strong, huge black guys and one old white guy with a whip. <laughs> and that, that stood, you know, because no, any black guy who would have jumped up there and attacked the slave master would have got his ass kicked or probably killed. But if they all would have done it together, you know, they could have, they'd be running the show. Yeah, it's even hard to protest not to, now, not to right? Not super racial, but I mean, no. it's it's just the same thing. It's just, I mean, it's just the truth. You know, it's not. It's just like the people in power are the minority, and they're weaker. But you, unless you go up as a full group, you're never going to realize your power. And I think that's kind of happening more and more on the internet as people are finding each other and Occupy and things like that. But um, you yeah, know, it's, it's tough. Still, it's still, it's still tough. Yeah, you can't come up. You need someone to rally the troops. You know what I mean? Someone needs to bring it all together. And it seems like they'd never let that person get far before you know his. He'd crash into a tree and his car would explode. Or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. See, Paul Walker was going to lead this revolution, and now look at it. We're all fucked. <laughs> Actually, what, what was fucking on that? To go back to no agenda, Curry was saying the other day he was talking about. How there's some bill being passed in Congress that it's some, some gun law that has the Fast and Furious tagline or something like that. And <laughs> well, so, yeah. so they killed Paul Walker so that if anyone <laughs> Googles or tries to research anything on Fast and the Furious, that's just kind of... Oh, he man. called it a Google bomb. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Wow, that's I, sweet. That's so funny, actually, the idea to put a term on it like that, Google bomb, because I have thought about that before, because there are little instances where I've been skeptical. The main one is when Occupy was going on and Anonymous was a big thing, a movie came out, uh, a big Hollywood movie that was about the life of, of Shakespeare, just some random movie, oh, and it was called Anonymous. Anonymous. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, how fucking convenient, because now I'm yeah. seeing all this Hollywood shit when I'm yeah. searching Anonymous. Yeah. And that's the same principle, and maybe it is a real thing. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Crazy. That's a pretty what? real deal story. I mean, the Fast and the Furious, what that references before Paul Walker died, had to do with the Department of Justice and Eric Holder knowingly selling firearms to Mexican drug cartels in this backward scheme where they were going to then arrest these guys and identify them because they're like, hey, we know we sold you those guns, assholes. Fuck. And it turned out they just sold them the guns and didn't arrest them. And this all came out. And Eric Holder still has his job. And, and people are like, this is fucked up, man. You sold like this all about this is fucked up. And they, they're just at every level. They're trying to bury this story of uh, the Department of Justice, capital D.O.J., Fast and the Furious, Eric Holder being an asshole, an arms dealer. And then Paul Walker's car explodes, or his buddy's car. Yeah. Well, speaking of weird people who still have their jobs, uh, you guys have a, a mayor up there who was caught smoking crack, and you know, it's and the question is, is he going to lose his job or not? Why isn't he straight in jail? If, if you get caught on tape smoking crack, won't you be in jail the next day? I don't, I don't know that. I don't know that you can unless you get caught with it in your possession. In your person. Really? Oh, that could be. That could be. I don't think that – I think oh. it's enough for him to, like, lose his job and all that shit. I mean, getting drunk and pushing women around and shit doesn't help <laughs> your your chances of keeping your power either. But, I mean, if you're – but I don't think – like, you know what I mean? Like, even if the cops roll up on a crackhead 
And it, I mean, if he doesn't have fuck all on him, they can't take him to jail. They don't really have anything to charge. I guess him that's with. true. Yeah, you can't prove he was smoking crack, except that he admitted it. But that doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I don't. I think the way the laws work, I don't think it's illegal technically to smoke pot. It's just, or it's not illegal to be stoned. It's just illegal to have weed. That's true. That's we talk about that all the time here when we get really high and then go do something. We could send like, him down there, but you don't have any room left in all your prisons. So. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're bad about that. We're real bad about that. I got a question about the New World Order because we we brought, we brought that up and okay. and lately I've been thinking because I'm I'm all about the, like I'll pay attention to some of these conspiracies or whatever and I mean there's definitely some some shit going on here but um the whole patriotic thing right and like I because I'm I'm one that would say like I love people from all over the world I I'd, I'd like to get rid of like these national boundaries that yeah sort of force us to to do this so so part of me thinks that we need a a one world, but Agreed. but obviously the new world order has such negative connotations and and fair enough because every other fucking institution is corrupt as hell and it just you know nothing can can work without growing into some greedy monster. Um, That's true. But you know, it's do you ever think about there being a good new world order? Well, a lot of people talk about the Venus Project. That's their big criticism of it. They're like, oh, this is some shell game for the New World Order. What, you're going to be all controlled by a central computer? Well, who owns that computer? You know, and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, I get it. But the only way to ensure that there's no wars is to really start to dissolve those those boundaries and those borders and, and realize that we are all kind of one people. Because you're not – you don't see – uh, Toronto bombing Ontario because you're both in Canada. You know, it's like, I mean, you know, those things can, ha I mean, I guess things like that can happen, but it definitely is an insurance policy against them. You know, Montana is not bombing Florida. And if we could just all be the United countries of Amer of the world, you know, the United countries of the world, we would probably be less inclined to attack each other if we felt like we were all in one team. But unfortunately, we allow ourselves to be brainwashed into thinking that we're we're en we have enemies like we like what does that even mean like we're all just trying to get by in our nine to five shit lives and I don't spend any time thinking about uh, other races or geographical pockets as an as an enemy to no. me I they're like off my radar completely and the only reason anyone pays attention is because they're they're told to they we get leaders to send 
young people over there and just kill strangers for no reason, you know? Yeah, it's crazy. To them, there's no reason. And then we stand up and we salute them and we clap for them when they're on an airplane with us and all this stupid, goofy shit because we're told to. And I've gotten in trouble probably more than anything. Uh, at a sporting by, event or something? <laughs> well, just by not supporting the troops, just, yeah. uh, you know, it's a very bold thing to say, I guess. But to me, it's like I don't respect the, the hitmen who work for the mafia and I don't tr- – and then the government is a mafia, and the people in charge have nothing altruistic about them, about their motives. So why do we respect the, kill- the people who kill for them? Yeah. I don't yeah. get it. Yeah. And when I used to want to do stand-up, I was at the La Jolla Comedy Store, and I was doing this, this set I had prepared. And there were complications, as with anyone's first set. But I had some introductory jokes to break the ice about working in a video game store and it being miserable and me being a failure. Um, and then I said, and I got a couple of laughs. And then I said, <laughs> but you know, I haven't totally given up on myself, or I would have just joined the military. And it was just dead silent. And I was like, right then, I was like, I'm not going to do stand up comedy because <laughs> it's going to be an uphill battle. Uh, and I don't want to get my ass kicked. And this is a new generation. And we can just do this stuff online. And people who agree will find me and it'll grow. And I don't have to do this one shitty room at a time. Yeah, isn't it funny how it happens like that? Eh? You just like you throw your show out there, and people just fucking start to come with it. Start yeah. to start to fucking seek it out, and you know it seems like every month there's more and more people that have found found the sh- found probably your show, our show. All the, I would imagine, not, maybe not ninety, but eighty percent of podcasts out there are growing. You know, I don't think anyone's podcast numbers are really going down. Unless they have a really bad podcast, right? Yeah, it's hard to go down from zero. One of my cre- <laughs> one of my <laughs> one of the creepiest feelings was at a I was at a baseball game in in the states. I think I was at uh, the boss Fenway. Is Fenway in Boston? Fenway mm. Park. Some, yeah, it's yeah, somewhere over yeah. there. And, and I'm not really a, a pro sports fan anymore. It kind of probably happened around the same time I started watching Zeitgeist. But good, good. But, uh, you know, it was uh, it was that whole salute the military thing came out, and the whole everybody stands up, and I was just blown away. I'm like, what the fuck's going on here? Like they're yeah. oh, it was just creepy as as hell. Creepy is the perfect word. I actually got um, I got in a lot of trouble in high school. Me and Kyle went to a private Catholic high school, and I got kicked out uh, my senior year and had to go to public school. Which ended up being like the best thing ever, but uh, one of the things I got in trouble for just this little stupid shit. Uh, it was the middle of winter. It was a football game. There was a national anthem going on, and I had a blanket on and the bleachers, and I had a, a hot chocolate, and I was like the only one who didn't stand up. And the principal walks up behind me. I'll see you on Monday, and I got a detention for that. I'm like, we're not even in school. I'm no not even. Way. I'm just. I'm just sitting. I, you're literally giving me a detention for sitting. I was like, I can't win. I can't win here. But, uh, yeah, I, I just I don't like respect shit, that shit. You sound like a shit disturber in, in Catholic school, too, right? <laughs> yeah, there's, there were elements. How but, can you not be? <laughs> <laughs> right. But it just I just never have gotten behind that kind of patriotism. I, I just hate that shit. I really do. Um, what are we proud of? Like, what? I mean, not, you know, as Americans, um, I feel like I'm embarrassed, uh, of the shit that we do, <laughs> of the shit that our leaders are doing. Like, I'm completely embarrassed. I actually think that we deserve something like a 9-11 for allowing our leaders for 
generations, for decades, to just impoverish third world nations with debt that they can never repay, uh, taking their resources, sending drones over there. Don't we, you know, we have to assume some responsibility here, you know, and we, when 9-11 happened, I assumed it was a slap for all that shit. And, so, and then I discovered that I thought it was completely fabricated. But even when I thought it could be legitimate, I was like, well, guys, we are kind of dicks. We really are. If someone on the playground comes up and kicks the bully in the nuts, we applaud that kid. So step back a second and look at what's happening here. Not a lot of people would say, it, would, would say that, but I totally know what you mean. I mean, it's been going on for decades, right? Yeah. You know? so it's, uh, but, yeah, not a lot of people have the balls to say that. Well done. Yeah, it's well. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I'm here all week. It's just, I mean, I think that this the media really controls the narrative. That's my real belief: is that the media controls the narrative about what the American public is, what the American public thinks. I think they distort all the data. I think they make it seem like we're so pro-war. I don't really feel like people are pro-war. How could anyone in the modern era be for military spending? I think it's pretty universal that. Military spending is ridiculous and out of control. We spend more than all the other nations combined. And it's something that needs to be reined in, yet can't be because the media controls the narrative. The narrative never comes up. It's never like, hey, let's stop bombing people. But I feel like what we're talking about in this uh, generation now where like the media is so disseminated where everybody has their own podcast, everybody's saying their own truth. Mm -hmm. The dialogue is spread out so much more. There is so much more unsanitized truth. There's curse words. There's every fucking profane thing from the previous generation where they never talked about any of these topics we ever talk about. Well, here, here they are. The floodgates are open, and I think people are thirsty to this shit. I think really it's the Internet culture that in America itself stopped us from going to war with Syria and prevented yeah. us from going to war with Iran. And it really caused a situation, like if you want to talk geopolitical shit, where Israel and the U.S. are like mm, not, not so much on equal footing anymore. It's like, what the fuck is Israel doing there? We're giving them $3 billion a year. They live in these fucking condos and lofts and shit. And they're committing a genocide on the Palestinian people that is the country that they came and took over through military force. Like, mm -hmm. what the fuck is going on? Like. The truth, the internet is like white blood cells and they, they're like truth. They go to the fucking problem areas and they start digging and they're like, um, this is really fucked up. And it, I think like it's only a matter of time before the truth is like radically brought out. The, the light is shown into the fucking darkness the, for the generations of darkness. And uh, yes. that's what I feel like we're in. And people may not feel like that's happening because they're just like not aware they're not able to see it because they're maybe still watching tv and still addicted to the narrative that corporations put out and like i feel like the best way to sum up the whole military thing somebody i don't even know who said this but somebody said all of politics all of politics you see on tv the tv media and the president and all this big show is the entertainment branch of the military industrial complex that's just put there so that we buy the narrative of why they're constantly bombing people, constantly dismembering innocent bodies for no reason. They're making money right. and they sell it by saying, okay, here's this whole show that we put on where these are congressmen and, oh, they represent the people. And meanwhile, they're just taking bribes left and right. 
and it's all just a show. It's a big show, and people are addicted to this TV show, but it's fucking bullshit, and the internet has exposed this all. That's a good way to put it. So how do you guys sift through the, the <laughs> fucking crap in the mainstream to get what you need out of current events? That's I, actually I, an excellent question. I struggle with that, right? I really, oh, yeah. I, I can't handle watching, well, I don't have cable, but I can't handle watching the news or listening to the crap. And, and I, but I, so I go to podcasts and, you know, like your, uh, your last guest there, or not one of your last guests, talked about a lot of that. The guy in Japan, what's his name? Yeah, uh, James Corbett. Corbett, yeah. So that's a, you know, that would be a good way. But is there any other ways that uh, you do that? Man, so I. My- I just want to throw out – I'm just going to name drop. Like some of the people I love and adore, I think their work is like the most cutting – this is the fucking artwork of our time. Art is always like dependent on the era that it's in and the artwork of this time is telling the fucking truth (laughs) in spite of this enormous behemoth monster that says I'm going to squish anyone who's a truth teller. It's like no, the the art of the time is to say fuck it, man. I'm still going to say it and the people who do this are like David Seaman. Abby Martin with Breaking the Set. Um, I like I, uh, I, I like Duncan Trussell is one of the best and one of the deepest He's cool. thinkers. Yeah, I like that, yeah. So, I mean, like, there's a lot of people and all these people are doing podcasts. Like, everybody who's doing podcasts are really furthering the dialogue and the truth. And, uh, I mean, do you guys know about Amber Leone? She was fired from CNN because she was repeatedly stored. I think it's Amber to- Lyon. Yeah, I, I don't know about the pronunciation. I could be wrong, but yeah, she's been on Rogan. Sounds like a she porn star. Fired <laughs> from CNN, and she—they were constantly telling her she couldn't run certain stories, constantly giving her stupid stories wow. that were just just bullshit. And now she's on her own, doing her own truth telling and her own oh. independent journalism. She's and great, now she's yeah. she's talking about big, big, strong stance on psychedelics and saying. This is one of the greatest tragedies of our time is that psychedelics are so demonized because yep. of the potential, the unbelievable potential to heal humanity's continuity problems. We have continuity problems. We keep repeating the same fucking cycles. And psychedelics are maybe the only thing that's going to really break the cycles of repetition we're doing. And uh, it's so true, man. I mean, anybody who's done psychedelics will know that the truth is – a whole new perspective, a whole new reality takes you over and you become it and you are not the continuity of who you are and your fucking language that you speak and your culture and your place in hierarchy your body. and rank. Yeah. None yeah. of that. Te- temporarily, just, just one moment of silence in between the continuity of how we've always been and boom, let's just take a psychedelic trip and then come back and reevaluate. And I wish yeah. humanity would do that, just reevaluate. How do we come to a psychedelic moment as a society where we're like, what are we doing, man? What am I doing with myself? And I, I don't want to be like this anymore. Preach. Feel that oneness and the cosmic love. Yeah, man. <laughs> I just need, we just need to be able to be ourselves. Like, what the fuck is all this about censoring yourself that we get from TV media our whole lives? Yeah, I like that that's kind of going away. You know, I mean, consider the things that our parents have seen and then consider the things that we saw just in, I mean, for for me, it was like between, say, 14 and 17, I saw everything a human being could see on the internet. (laughs) I saw a woman (laughs) shitting into her own mouth. I saw guys chopping off their balls with a hatchet. 
I've seen everything that can be shown. And uh, I don't know. There, there's a certain um, coolness to that, really. When you think back to all the thousands of years people have existed and their narrow scope of the experiences they could observe and then just what we've jammed into our heads since the Internet. Yeah, it's, it's mainly like cat pictures. but an afternoon on YouTube. Well, you know what? Yeah. You know what? What kind of not scares me or worries me, but when you talk about the truth, right? When I started looking into all this and and uh, listening to lots of podcasts and and I listened to the skeptical view and then I listened to more of the like extreme believer sort of podcasts and I was centered around mysteries and UFOs and all this kind of stuff. And I heard Steve Volk. He he wrote a book called Fringeology, and I heard him on a podcast, Mysterious Universe. And Great they show. talked about the they talked about the polarization of uh, of the internet of of our belief system. So the skeptics are becoming more skeptical, and the believers are becoming more believers. So because I, I was assuming that with this in, in internet information age here, we'd be coming towards this common truth in the middle. Like there's all this information, we all have to be moving towards the middle. But it's almost proven now that you take what you want to reinforce your current worldview out of whatever sort of thing you're looking at, whether it's a science study or not. So the science study comes out and it, you know, the skeptics take what they want and the believers take what they want and they continue on their polarization. So that's the only yeah. thing that, that sort of shocked me or, or worries me. I'm with you, but I think that with the increase in perspectives – comes i mean the, the people might still have a tendency to go to polarize to their uh preferred side but i still think each person's going to put a little different spin on it and that kind of just creates such a plethora of different opinions that um i don't know that spectrum is kind of broken up a little bit and people can take something from this guy and a little from that guy and just whatever resonates with them i hate that word but um, i like it <laughs> <laughs> I hate all that energy shit, that light being shit. I, oh, I, mean, I love it. <laughs> I, it's, it's just, it's, it sounds, it's, I used to get into it and it sounded all right, but then some of it gets a little corny and a little hokey. I'm a little uncomfortable with it. And that's been a struggle because the conspiracy movement, as you get deeper, I feel like a lot of people gravitate towards that new age, uh, age of awakening. Uh, enlightenment, higher consciousness stuff, and, and I'm vibrations. like, yeah. yeah, right. All yeah. these vibrations and resonance and these frequencies, these higher frequencies, and then we got to get our t crystals in tune. See, I want to have um, an episode like just on frequencies because there's so much <laughs> science behind it too. Like things are always vibrating, right? Everything vibrates. Yeah, at a frequency, and there's this sympathetic resonance that happens. So I, I want to dig dig deep into that, but I I, I appreciate what you're saying. <laughs> Sounds like well, you're dude. <laughs> I actually I'm I believe that if I had to put money on it if somebody had a gun to my head and made me guess how the pyramids were built I would say that a a sound technology that it was uh, a natural sound technology was used that we have just lost um cuz I think that and there's people like uh I think his name's Christopher Hutchins um but he has the Hutchins effect if you oh, look he it was up in Vancouver YouTube. there for a while. Hutchinson. Yeah, the Hutchinson, Hutchinson effect. Hutchinson yeah. effect. Yeah. yeah. He finds the frequencies of, of these certain objects and he can levitate yeah. them. Yeah. And there's a thing called Coral Castle in Florida where this, this Lithuanian man came over here and he built like these this huge castle and these huge uh, structures out of coral. And they asked him how he did it and he, he would never tell anyone. And I mean these are thousands of tons. And he's like – the only thing he ever did say is he's like, I built this the same way they built the pyramids. 
And they found this weird little device there with these cranks on it. And I totally think that that was used and, and ancient Egyptians somehow knew uh, about how to, how to counteract gravity with sound frequency. Yeah. And that's how they move those big-ass stones. Yeah. And that's just uh, you know, a theory. I mean there's a lot of people talking about that. Michael Tellinger talks about these rings he found in Africa that actually emit a frequency. And they're just like stone rings that have been uh, organized there and, and they're now ruins. But he thinks that they are built to somehow harness uh, an energy from the earth. And who knows what they could have been used for before. But um, the fact that they're still making some weird, they're still emitting some weird thing makes me think that it's more just like channeling the flow of a river of energy that comes from the earth that we just don't see. It's a type of like a river. You know, you can make a dam and divert the flow and use it for different things. And I think that there's something to that in energy that we just is just lost. We just uh, maybe secret societies hold that knowledge and just keep it from the mainstream because GM needs to make that dollar. But um, I don't know. Or GE, I guess it would be. But all those energy companies, they don't want people to know that there's some type of energy out there, even if it just moves big rocks. Fuck you. You don't need to that's know about start. that. Yeah, that's, that's, how that's, that's how they start. That's how they get you. And that's the thing about the, I mean, talking about uh, believers and skeptics and trying to carve a path, the UFO thing, the, the alien thing is so diverse and there's so many different opinions. Um, but I think if you, and the problem with the, fa- the government is that we all know they lie to us. So that opens the floodgates to all these possibilities. And then you just have to pick who you believe. But I think that if aliens were visiting or we did reverse engineer a craft and we did discover t- some type of free energy or some type of zero point energy that, you know, can basically replicate itself and power things, we would suppress that. And we would suppress anything that it had to do with. And I don't think we're going to see disclosure because disclosure of ET would also mean disclosure of their technologies. And that's the same thing. Like these energy companies are, is what's one of the most powerful lobbies. I think I just made that up, Uh, but it's gotta be big. It's gotta be huge. It sounds true, (laughs) but it's part of the enslavement. You gotta pay for that, that electricity. You can have your house paid for, but you're never going to have your utilities paid off. Yeah. That's the, you know, you're going to be suckling at that teat forever. Yeah, well, some of the things you hear, nuke. you sometimes yeah. hear like uh, these mysterious things about uh, like a box that Monsanto made in the past that, oh, it's just a little small box that could go in your house and it powers your whole house. There's sometimes you hear these claims like emerge when you're doing like deep, mysterious searching on the internet. Yeah. And then, uh, but an interesting thing somebody said, and my God, all this stuff is so weird. I've been researching this stuff for a long time and reading comments that people leave because I f- feel like people who really know real shit leave comments as almost just like you're just random dude. And some of those are the most revealing. And somebody said something about uh, there's these nuclear-type um, satellites in space and whatever powers these satellites is the same exact thing that's referenced when people say, oh, there's this little box that could power your whole house. And that the smoking gun on it is that there are these satellites that NASA puts out that are powered by this tiny form of self-generating power that actually does exist and it's out there. And it's not like, um, it's actually like proven. 
yeah, that well, the Skunk Works is going public with their cold fusion reactors. They're saying they're going to be the size of what, transport trucks. Then, and if they're saying they're going to have that before 2020, then who knows what's going? What they've they've had that behind the scenes for I'd say at least 30 years. This is that that fight. This is the internet's philosophy of open source and sharing versus the old hierarchy of traditional control and corporatism, and that. That's just another version of it. I would love to see that come out. You guys were talking about on your last show, 3D printers and how soon we'll have them. We will not have them. They're not going to let us have that. <laughs> Who's going to let you have that? I think, think that there's going to get them right now. Right? That's why you just well, got to get one right away. <laughs> that's why the only story in America that we hear about 3D printers is that some guy somewhere tried to print a gun. So we can't have these because know, isn't now they're equating. Fuck. Yeah, they're, they're equating guns to these things out of the infinite amount of things you could make. They're <sighs> they're only talking about guns because now having one of these is dangerous. You're you're talking about a weapon. Oh, it's so disgusting. You can't give people yeah, a weapon. What's, you what's, can't sell a weapon. Only the United States gets to sell those weapons. <laughs> you know what's weird? Yes. You know what's weird? I don't even. Well, I could probably think of somebody, but I don't know anybody with a gun. Or, or like, I remember dealing with some people down uh, down south, and the guy from Phoenix was like, "Everybody I know has a gun," and I'm like, "I don't know You're anybody less than with a gun." Six feet from a gun right now. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Darren's. <gun. laughs> no, I'm I, kidding. I don't know. I'm. It's it's weird. Well, I feel like I'm so stuck in the American bubble. I would love to get out and. And really experience other, I mean, not necessarily forms of governments, but just different governments. They're all kind of the same. But, um, I, you know, I hear, I want, talking about favorite guests, this guy, Jeff Berwick, he's a, he's a major capitalist. He calls himself an, an anarcho and capitalist and combination of anarchy and capitalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think those things are almost opposed to each other, but. He's basically a guy who wants to make money with no regulation. You know, that's basically how you t- how you tie that up. But um, philosophical differences aside, he is filthy rich, and he came on the show and talked about how to set up businesses and how to be an entrepreneur in other countries, like how to be a global entrepreneur and really work the system to your best benefit. And some of that shit was just so motivating. I'm like, man. I'm sick of fighting this fight for everybody some days. And I'm like, I gotta, I gotta get mine. I know. I mean, I know that's a selfish thought, but Jesus Christ, you know, if everybody's not going to fight this revolution, then I got to start playing capitalism better because I'm not doing that good. And I can't, you know, have a typical life with a family and all that stuff unless I start playing better. If the, if that's going to be the game. And some of the stuff he said was super interesting about the places you could go and, how they basically have nothing. Like I never, you could go to Cambodia, for example, and open up a bar with a bottle of Jim Beam and 20 bucks because there's no liquor license. You don't have to jump through a thousand fucking hoops to open your business. And those hoops are in place, in my opinion, so that small businesses can't get started because the big businesses are already established and any big regulation, they can afford to make the changes and small people can't. I don't no. know. That was kind of all over the place. No, I don't no, know no, what no, I was no, talking no. About. That was that was fascinating because it's uh, no. I, I totally know what you mean, but it's hard to stay. How would you not fall into the trap, right, of corporatism? Like, obviously, you're aware enough right, right. now, and you're thinking, like, I got to play this game of capitalism better. But how do you play the game without turning to the other side fully? That's the thing. Like, I just some days I'm like, oh, if I went and 
took all the cash I got because I can't get ahead here. That's the thin, kind of thing I'm getting at is like I am just spinning my wheels paycheck to paycheck. And so many people, uh, are, they are in, in our generation. And I'm, I'm 28 years old. I am too old to be living paycheck to paycheck. It doesn't really bother me as much as it probably should. But because I'm kind of I'm ready to embrace whatever alternative lifestyle I have to deal with. Um, but and I couldn't be happy in a nine to five forever either. Jesus Christ. So, yeah, it's it kind of sucks because it's like some days I just want to take care of myself and I'm trying to do I'm trying to be really creative with with ways to monetize THC, for example, because I would I mean, of course, you guys would probably agree that the dream would be to just do your show. If you could pay your bills and that's it, you know, just pay to eat and pay your bills with your show. And that's all you had to do. Isn't that like essentially paradise? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I'm trying to be really creative because I don't want to be one of these shows, especially because the content. I don't think you should have bonus shows that are paid for. I don't yeah. think you should have a second hour that's paid for. Oh, you can hear the first hour with a guest, but then the second hour is paid for. One of my favorite shows does that. Yeah, um, yeah. Paying for the archives. I'm just yeah. like, come yeah. on. You know, just be happy people are listening to you, but you got to figure something out. So you're going to tell us a, about, about the money bomb then? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's one of the creative ideas. And and basically, it's just very simple. I mean, it's uh, it's a raffle type situation. You know, you donate five bucks to THC, 250 goes to me, 250 goes into a pool. And at the end of a certain amount of time, I'm going to start doing it once a month, but I'm going to just draw someone out of that pool and they're going to get that chunk of chunk of change, whatever it is. And so far, the first one looks like it's going to be a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars, like somewhere in the one to three hundred dollar range. Perfect. Um, Grand Grand America's got a little uh, ticket in there for that. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Much appreciated. (laughs) But I think that it's kind of a win win. You know, you're supporting a show you like. I might be able to survive, but I'm giving half that back. And I I really wish I had more resources so I could put my money where my mouth is and show that, like, I would use that money effectively to create change. You know, so many people, I don't know. It's just like, they're not like Alex Jones, you know, Alex Jones is the biggest show in the conspiracy world by far. Has he ever helped an individual? Has he ever like, does he ever like campaign? I mean, Oprah does that shit. Ellen does that shit. They help people all the time. But Alex Jones, who apparently is up against the global elite what is he doing for anyone besides scaring the shit out of him? Yeah. You know, I want to do so much more. And, uh, you know, some people are like, oh, you should give the money to charity. I'm like, eh, no, 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 I don't no, really no. trust charities. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I really don't. And and it's it's I don't know. I also see there's this there's this big cultural meme where people who are liberal in their 20s become conservative in their 30s, you know. The people in college are cons- are liberal, and then they get into the real world and they go conservative. Um, as I've built my own thing on the side, I'm kind of experiencing that. And it's like, obviously, I still give shit to homeless people all the time, but I see the same ones on the corner next to my house. And I'm like, this is not sustainable, dude. What are you going to do? Like, you're just going to stand here with a sign forever. Are you ever going to help yourself? You know, you, you know, and Joe Rogan talks about hippies, how they're all like, we should just share everything. It's like, yeah, well, what are you putting in, dude? You're so ready to share uh, but what are you putting in? Yeah. And sometimes I feel like that. And so with the THC money bomb, I feel like someone is going to get a chunk of change. Like 200 bucks would make a real difference in my life if it just showed up on my door. Um, 
I yeah, think well, that I th- that's cool that some individual is going to get that. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I mean, I, I donate to podcasts that I that I listen to and that I, I quite a few of them, uh, you know, here and there. And I'd love to the opportunity to get some of that back. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know that you're going to give it to someone who is just somewhat in your same position, struggling to play the game, um, but is doing everything they can. And I liked the idea that it's just one person is going to get directly helped in, in one little way and, uh, you know, whatever. But I think that's better than charity. <laughs> yeah, for sure. To me. Hopefully, it, well, then it's someone from your circle too, right? Like your show is kind of creates your little... You know, almost your little, your own little world, community. A, a community. Yeah, that's the word. You've got a community, and then you're keeping it in your little community. What if we could take our shows and get just ten percent of our audience to join us uh, and to put all our money together, all our resources together, and just build a Venus Project-like community? We could broadcast our show from there. We could have tourists come through and see the community, and they'd pay us to keep it running. Convent, <laughs> no commune, basically, like a, like a high tech commune. commune. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I know that's I know. that's uh, that's appetizing for sure. Well, people have to start getting together and doing shit. That's the whole like the whole slave point I was talking about. It's just like everybody needs to realize, hey, I'm on the same team with these other guys. I'm I'm on the same team as the cashiers. Yeah, I'm even on the same team as the cops. They don't know it, and they're going to be the last to figure it out. But we're all on the same team against a really small amount of people. And people talk about peaceful noncompliance and that the, the revolution is not going to be violent. It's going to be one of just like turning our back on the systems. And I think that we're creating our own systems that are kind of uh, showing us how they could be replaced. And, uh, yeah, I think we just need to realize that. We need to start doing stuff, though. You know, everybody's talking about, um, oh, I can't wait for this change. And, like, someone's got to be the first to move. We gotta set that commune up, guys. We can call it Gramerica. I don't give a shit. <laughs> it's gotta be someplace warmer than here. Oh yeah. Yeah, we- weather's <laughs> gotta be a key factor in the location of that. Tropical place. Tropical. We gotta get an island. It's gotta be tropical. Doesn't like fucking Clooney or DiCaprio or one of those rich fucks have an island? We'll just go take. Yeah, that like what? One. one of you. If you can get one of those guys, like. Russell Brand's probably got millions in the bank. Can't you buy an island for like just five mil? Can't, I'm sure there's some islands out there with that kind of price tag on it. Buy that shit and let's start, the, let's start this thing. If you're really serious, you know, I wish, God, I wish I had those kind of resources just to, just to really put a wrench in the system. Do something more than talk. Everybody's talking. I like to talk. Droned. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. We'd probably get hit with a harp tsunami, actually. <laughs> Who knows if that's what harp does? A lot of people don't know what harp does. Some people think it fucks with the frequency, uh, our natural frequency of our brain. Our brain resonates at a certain uh, whatever it is, like 4.7 hertz or something. You said that word again. Oh, I know. I, I hate myself. I'm the biggest hypocrite here, I, I promise you. Um, but yeah, they think that it fucks with that and that it just puts everybody in a shitty mood all the time and stresses them out in like a really fundamental way. That's trippy. I wish that there was an easy uh, villain to say that, oh, yeah, it's because of harp. We're all in a shitty mood all the time. I think, like, the awakening is all about taking responsibility of saying, oh, shit, it's actually me generating this shitty mood I'm in all the time. And it's not harp. 
Harp. I mean, Harp might be going on too, but it's also my own incessant running mind that never fucking shuts up and always is super critical on myself. So it's all about like working on yourself and figuring out how do you be honest with yourself and stop like repressing yourself, beating yourself up, feeling like you're a piece of shit. Like how do you have the will and the power to keep on creating content despite feeling like, you know, is anybody listening? I like that. I like that uh, self-help type stuff. It's important. If everybody was aware enough to start doing that, at least That's some awareness around it. Yeah. It is. Peace within yourself. I mean, I, I, I'm all about. I spend my career pointing out these fucking guys are fraudsters. These, this is a big fraud. Investing's a big fraud. I'm always pointing the finger, saying, "Look at this! Look at this! Look at this!" But at the same time, I, I wouldn't be saying all this bullshit if, it, in my own practice, I wasn't trying to actively change myself for the better. It's like I, I just have to come to terms with like all these people I'm in the world with who think I'm crazy or like just don't understand where I'm coming from. I'm always going to be around them and I have to be able to <laughs> I have to be able to be able to listen to everybody and give everybody space. Like my big argument is that there is actually room for all of us to be ourselves and to be honest with each other and like to be provided for and this the the terrible this whole thing of human history has been we're just not providing for each other. I don't know how I don't know what the next thing is. Like I'm not a I don't have a vision about how we fix it. It's just like we need to, I need to on my own personal level be nice to the people around me. I figure like that's where it is real. Have you heard yeah. Chris Ryan talk about how he figures that big, that big transition happened when we went from hunter gatherers to farmers? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The big transition of hoarding, basically. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, commerce. Exactly. And hierarchy, really. And, and like, I mean, like there's hierarchy in a wolf pack, like dogs have different rank and one of them is definitely the alpha and there's always like a leader that I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about hierarchy where it's like, okay, we grow all this corn and then one guy says, okay, I own it because this is my land. And yeah. so it's a whole new game about property, property rights and ownership. And it, it set up the foundation for what would become Wall Street and just this global level total fraud. But like it originally started with maybe maybe it did start with agriculture and saying like, OK, we all we all toil away, you know, raising all these crops. But then somebody owns it and whoever owns it is really fucking everybody doing all the work. Yeah. Before that, people didn't have the choice. Right. Like if you kill the kill the deer, I mean, it's way more than you and your you share it, you yeah. and your kids mm -hmm. and your wife are going to eat. You know, you, that yeah. shit goes bad in a week. So or two it's weeks. a system. It's kind of a system like if in a wolf pack, everybody just killed sheep and laid them at the feet of the of the alpha sheep of the alpha wolf, you know, of the leader of the pack. Yeah, like that, they all go out and hunt together. There might be a leader, there might be a more stronger wolf, but they still all work together. It's not like all the other wolves go out and just work for the alpha. Yeah, exactly. That's our system. I think in some species, even the alpha sometimes eats last. Well, shit, I feel like, wouldn't that be nice? Let's try that. <laughs> There's uh, something about if we lived in like more tribal communities, like if we actually just recognized the neighborhood we specifically lived in, if we like just for one psychedelic trip, we were just all of a sudden in a tribe together, 
and you saw like how impoverished some people are and how bad off they're doing, it would be like essential to the whole role of the tribe. Like, okay, whoa, we got to help that guy. We got to help the lowest guy out. I mean, we have to assure that the whole tribe is able to keep going. I mean, it's not like a tribe of tightly knit people just lets one guy fucking starve on the streets and walks by and like, oh, Glenn, I'm not him. No, and the problem but that's is... that's what you have in America. Yeah, well, in yeah. the world, we have the technology and we have the resources to feed and, and, and clothe and, and house the world. But we, you know, we can't get there because of the powers that be, right? people need to have $100 billion in the yeah. bank accounts. Yeah, yeah but that, the, the, the system that allows that to happen and it's totally rigged, as everybody knows, in the favor of the tiniest, richest minority... Like everything that's rigged in their favor is at the expense of poor people on the streets all over the world. People sifting through garbage and shit. And like, this is like a big idea. This is like a big new idea. And everybody's coming to realize, like, holy shit. Like, the reason these people are all so rich is because we're all so poor. Yeah. 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 That's how they get you. <laughs> <Look at> that. <laughs> So, is there anything else that you guys want to uh, want to discuss before we start wrapping this uh, this absolutely fascinating episode up? <laughs> oh man, it's been uh, a serious, like real, real fun show. This one, it has. Yeah, I've enjoyed myself. Um, shit, I don't know. If you guys could get any guests, who would your who would your top three guests be? If you had all the clout in the world to just handpick three people. Really? Okay, that, that's an interesting question. <laughs> Lucio Kaku, for sure. And I don't know, maybe even fucking Russell Brand. I've got some questions for that motherfucker, for sure. Yeah, see, that would, that's part of it. The question kind of depends on if the person would have to answer your questions. Because I would say Henry Kissinger, but he would just say, fuck you, I'm not going to answer any of your questions. You know, <laughs> if, if it was a situation where you got an hour and you got to ask questions... And, you know, you have to factor in all kinds of things. You have to factor in um, their the uh, name recognition, you know, how popular you're going to get off that, uh, the amount you could possibly disclose, the legendary proportions of information you could uh, completely expose. Um, I think Kissinger might be one of the highest people on the food chain that also that is known publicly because he's like a triple agent, man. He works for the U.S., but he also worked for the KGB. And fucking, he was one of those guys because at a certain level, there is no division of, you know, countries and borders. They're all working on the same kind of team. Yeah. And Henry Kissinger, like, why was he allowed to work so intricately in, in several different governments that are apparently opposed to each other? Not, not, I don't know of many people higher than him. And I feel like if I could grill him for an hour about what's above him, there could be some real information that came out. I think he knows a lot. Yeah, that, that's a good one. <laughs> well, what about Miley Cyrus? You know, what if she is the if she is invoking Kali and her performance like I or what about Britney Spears? If you could really find out like, hey, let's hear it. Are you an Illuminati, you know, MK Ultra victim? You know, what yeah, are these? If she just says, no, you got like? nothing else to talk about for the next <laughs> right. 55 minutes. <laughs> right. That's that's the gamble, you know, because if you if you got the real answer and it was just uh, no, actually, that satanic uh, monarch shit is actually totally fabricated. Like oh okay well, you can, you can Huff, what's your next song? <laughs> yeah, that would that would really blow. 
But I don't know. Kissinger, Russell Brandt would be good for those same reasons. Like, you know, are you a false prophet? I've been trying, really trying to get in touch with Buzz Aldrin, too. Oh, yeah. I'd like to talk to him. No, that'd be sweet. I was thinking uh, Howard Stern or Alex Jones, too, would be good. Or Art Bell. Art Bell would be another guy I'd like to chat with. But actually, yeah. Dennis McKenna was kind of on that list for me. And I, we got to talk to him early on. So that was like a, that was Solid. a big deal. Yeah, man, if Terrence was around, if Terrence McKenna or Alan Watts was still alive, they would be really near the top. Just be such an honor to speak with them. But, I mean, you guys, even if I feel like, and you probably feel the same way, if my show, if I stopped it today and I just, I would never consider it a failure because I have talked to some of the coolest, most interesting people that, you know, people that I've, I've tracked their interviews down for years just to listen to everyone I could. And now I'm asking them questions. You know, God, the roster of people you've got to talk to has got to be sick. Look at your Skype contact list. I'm sure it's sacked. Yeah, that's kind of it's kind of funny because that's actually that was when we were talking about starting the podcast. That was our whole kind of reason was like we were listening to all these interviews and then we were starting to talk on a podcast. And it's like, well, you, then we all of a sudden all these people that, you know, I can't just call up, you know, Dennis McKenna or one of these guys and say, hey, can you just talk to me on the phone for an hour or two hours? <laughs> I know. They'll just hang up, right? So weird. But if I've got a podcast and people are listening, you know, everyone's got a book or you, everyone's got something that, you know, it's always a, a, a win-win. Darren, yeah. Darren asked me at the beginning, he's like, who would you really want to have on? Who's on your wish list? And I, and I said, Grant Cameron. He's a Canadian uh, ufologist. One of my favorite uh, ufologists. I've been following him for years. What's his oh, name? Grant Grant Cameron. He's got a, a, a website called uh, Presidential UFO. He goes deep into the American politics and the UFO experiences and all the documents and the, the discussions. And he just does That's it awesome. all. But he's all, he switched to sort of the consciousness aspect of UFOs. They're doing that. Yeah. And we got him on and like we chatted for like three hours. It was amazing. It was uh you know one of my favorite episodes and it happened you know pretty quick it was it was great yeah man good for you that is that is sick yeah that's awesome now I, the list is endless though like once you get started and you really start looking for guests i'm sure it's the same for you it's just like i could we could do these for you know 10 years no problem and not run out of people to talk to it's fun though to see your clout build because you'll you know you start getting people who ask you to be on the show like some of the best shows i've done are people who asked me like jim elvidge asked you know i mean he asked me uh, if i would be interested in talking about all these uh about quantum physics and all that shit i'm like yeah sure <laughs> i listened to his coast to coast interview and i was like holy shit now that's one of my favorite episodes like yeah, yeah totally um but it's that's pretty damn cool um yeah, I mean, I like with some of the co-hosts, like Adam Gorightly is a co-host. He's a, he's an author who's done a few books. And then Kyle is obviously a co-host. Uh, I'll be like, Kyle, who should we get? And he'll throw out a name. And I'll, it's like a game. I'm like, let's see if I can get that guy. Let's see if I can get that guy real quick. And then I'll hit him back and be like, here's a showtime. That happened a few times. And that's just it's just fun, you know, between friends. I'm sure you do similar stuff. But uh, I like to have fun with how high can how high can I go? You know, all you got to do is send an email. They can either write you back or they won't. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> and with some guys, you send them an email a month. Eventually, yeah. they'll read it. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's a fun little thing that's happening. And I think it's going to go down in history. I think we're, 
in a really pivotal point in so many different areas, but I don't know if I would consider it an awakening. I'd consider it more of like a just a weird a weird clashing. I'll, I'll consider it an awakening then. <laughs> yeah. And it's just good to be a part of it. It's so fascinating to be a part of this whole I, I would say it's a shift. I mean, it's a shift at, in, on many different levels, but definitely with with what we're tangibly doing the in the new media, age. it's it's shifting. Yeah, there's there's an ebb and a flow to it, but it does seem like the momentum is with us for the first time, maybe fucking ever. <laughs> I, I like so. that. That's good. <laughs> well, we'd like to thank you guys again for for coming on the show. Oh, um, it's an honor. Much appreciate uh, the invitation. Great. Yeah, for sure. We'll have to do this again, uh, again down the road. Yeah, we'll link to to THC, the Higher Side chats, and in, in the show notes, and and all your other all your other information there. Awesome. Much appreciated. Yeah. Keep on doing a great job, guys. I just want to commend yeah. you for having another awesome podcast and just building this network and continuing the generation of real dialogue. I feel like we just need to create the content. And it's so fascinating. It's so much more fascinating than hearing about goddamn celebrities on TV. What's the news about Kim Kardashian? Who gives a shit? Yeah. It's all about real dialogue between just like people with creative minds, just interesting minds that want to just break it down and and way to go and just fucking keep doing it. Yeah, it's great, man. It's so, Amen. so cool to be in, in that uh, in that circle with you guys. So we'll have to do this again sometime and we'll keep in touch and help each other out. was our chat with greg and kyle from the higher side chats otherwise known as thc podcast yeah great podcast and a great chat that was uh one of the fun ones for sure probably one of the funner 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 chats we've had so far totally that was uh you never know when when you're interviewing other podcasters and stuff like that or chatting with them um you know how talkative they're going to be or how how the flow will be and those guys were just great right super passionate and, and all the all the common interests like for five years six years now i've been sort of following this whole zeitgeist thing and all that so i really don't have a lot of people to talk to about that like i probably have less people to talk to about that in day-to-day -day life than than like ufos and bigfoot and paranormal stuff so yeah. it's pretty cool to, to chat with people that kind of want to talk about uh world banking shit and you know and where we're at with fucking society right now yeah, it was good. Those guys definitely aren't scared to share their feelings. So, you know, we need more of that more of that shit out there. Yeah, that was great, man. Yeah, I can't wait to listen to more of their episodes, too. They got lots of good guests coming up. So, yeah, it's good. Yeah, big thanks to uh, Greg and Kyle for coming on. Uh, well, uh, if you guys haven't uh, heard of them before, you can click in the show notes and, and check them out. And I'm sure you'll enjoy them. They have uh, a, lot of, a few similar guests we've had on as well, like Jim and... Uh, Jim and Robert Sullivan, and I'm sure there's a few others if you kept going back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, hopefully we can do something again, collaborate again with those guys and maybe the guys from Expanded Perspectives. 
Yeah, exactly. Some more of these round tables. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this will be our last episode before Christmas. So, uh, Merry Christmas, motherfuckers. And we're going to try and bang another one out before Christmas, or when? Before uh, the holidays end, right? So, maybe between Christmas and New Year's? Yeah, maybe around New Year's, somewhere in there, yeah. We'll see what we can do. I mean, we're sitting on a couple interviews right now. It's just a matter of uh, if we can find the time, but we'll try and try and keep it going. I know a lot of shows shut down for the holidays, but we're going to try and uh, tread right through. Yeah, you bet. And of course, thanks to RPJ for coming on for for a little help in the intro as well. It's always welcome to have him, and uh, we wanted to have more of him, and it's been working out great so far. So hopefully, we can keep that going. So next uh, next episode up will be Fritz Zimmerman, uh, all about giants in the USA and all over the world, and Nephilim, and and kind of the same idea as Scotty Roberts, but uh, but a, a different angles, as it were. Yeah, more about the actual uh, articles and um, cases of giant's bones being found all over North America and all over the world. So yeah, kind of kind of more like the ancient mystery type thing. Yeah, it was a, a fascinating guy, so uh, you guys should look forward to that one. And after that will be Dave Weatherly. Yeah, and we'll have a little intro with Ephraim Palermo talking about his new book out, too, called Alien Cartel, right? Yeah, we got to get Ephraim in here uh, as soon as possible to talk about his book, yeah, because that's going to... Going to publishing now, I think. He had the e-books already come out. Now he's going to be coming out with an actual uh, book. So Ephraim yeah, is a published author. That's great. And then uh, after Weatherly, we have a bunch of guests lined up, but we're not going to disclose uh, who's when yet, right? No, that shit's top secret. <laughs> All right, buddy. So uh, we'd love to hear feedback from everybody. Uh, we've got lots of new new countries from around the world. So um, email us at uh, graham at grimerica.com. Yeah, or darren at grimerica.com. Uh, you can find us over on Twitter at grimerica. And Grime America on Facebook as well. So, you know, come find us. Uh, you know, leave us a, a review on iTunes if you can find the time. Those are great. Yeah, I was going to mention that too. Yeah, the reviews help with the algorithm to sort of bump us up in the uh, in the list. And then the more, you know, the more reviews we get in iTunes and, and the more, the better guests we can have on. And, and uh, yeah, it just, it just gets better from there. Yep. So tell your friends and... Uh... Thanks for listening, guys. As usual, you'll find links to everything uh, we talked about in the show notes and as well as all the music you heard. So Merry Christmas, guys. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week.
Hey.